Uh, two months from today, the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games are, are scheduled to begin, or rescheduled to begin. Uh, and then for just over two weeks, the strongest and the fittest people of the world will all be in that one place, uh, attempting to uh, do things that literally no one else in the world uh, can do, no one else has ever done before perhaps, or at least not uh, things that no one else can do quite as well as them. Um, and watching from home, we'll be seeing quite literally the strongest and fittest people in the world. But here in our passage this morning, Paul holds out to us a different kind of strength, a different kind of power. Uh, and he talked about this kind of strength last week in, our, in the passage that Hans preached from. In that passage, Paul talked about the insight he had into the gospel, the mystery of God, uh, into God's eternal plan. Uh, and that special insight, he said, came uh, by, the, by God's grace according to the working of his power. And so we need to understand there that Paul is, is talking about strength and power, a different kind, not, not in a physical sense, obviously, but uh, a, a deeper kind of strength. Uh, for, for Paul, strength is not defined as running the 100 metres faster than anyone else. Uh, strength is, is not defined as a world record marathon. True strength is not defined as winning the gold medal in, in shot put or swimming or boxing or any of those things. True strength is found, Paul says, in knowing the true God. And that's what this passage today is all about. It flows out from that. Um, so you, you sort of may read that passage and go, okay, Paul has this strength, how do I get that too, Right? I'd really like some of that strength, that true strength, found not in, not in physical strength, but in knowing the true God. I'd really like to be strong when it comes to knowing God. I hope you're thinking that as you, uh, as you think about this kind of strength. Um, others might be thinking, uh, you know what, I'm pretty happy with how much I know God. I feel like I am kind of strong, strong in that sense. Uh, and that's great. I, I, I am glad that you know God but I, I hope and pray that you will be able to uh, grow up in that because uh, as God is infinite, as we're going to learn about later, there's always something more that we can learn about God. Uh, perhaps others are thinking, uh, well, I'd like to be strong in knowing God, but I just don't know where to start. Uh, maybe it seems like such a, a big thing to expect. Um, like Paul is this sort of like, Olympic gold medal standard of of knowing God, um, and and we're trying to grow up into that. And like, how do we compete with that? Obviously, it's not a competition, but but Paul, you know, he grew up studying the Bible. He was uh, trained by the Jewish scholars, uh, the greatest of his time, and of course by Jesus himself. Right? He had this special insight. He says into the mystery of God. So maybe you'd like to be strong as him, but it, it just doesn't seem possible. And if you're feeling like that this morning, then I, I want to encourage you. Um, and through our passage, Paul, 
wants to encourage you because uh, most of the Ephesians were sort of in that same sort of boat. Uh, like we read before about uh, the Jews in 1 Kings, how they had the temple, they had the law, uh, they had this well-informed understanding of who God is and what he expects. Uh, many of the Jewish Christians had um, directly heard Jesus. They might have even been witnesses to his resurrection. Um, and of course, Paul in particular had been specially trained to be an apostle. Um, but the Ephesians were Gentiles, right? They hadn't grown up knowing about God. They hadn't been there when Jesus was around. They had no access to the temple. They, uh, all they knew, um, even decades after Jesus had been raised from the dead, all that they knew about the gospel was uh, some, something that someone had passed on based on what John the Baptist had said. So they didn't even know about Jesus when Paul came, first came to meet them. They had never heard of the Holy Spirit. And yet, despite those differences, despite that, that sort of starting from behind, if you want to put it that way, Paul wrote to assure the Ephesians that they were not second-class Christians. The Ephesians were not second-rate Christians. And this prayer here in the second half of chapter 3, uh, Paul uses this prayer, he, he frames it in this prayer to encourage the Christians and to tell them that he believes God can and will give them that strength to know him. And he can, and he, uh, he, there's, uh, the same encouragement is there available for us too. Whatever their spiritual strength at that moment, they will be filled, Paul says, with God's strength to know him. And the same is true for us. And so Paul writes to communicate this this expectation that he has uh, of what it means to learn, to be taught by God, to grow, to know him. Um, And so as we... Uh, move through this passage this morning, we're going to see three expectations. Uh, three aspects to Paul's expectation. The first one is that it's a unifying expectation. Uh, Paul starts the prayer this way in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now the way that Paul's starting this prayer is all, is is really supposed to call to mind everything that he said before uh, through, the re- through the first half of Ephesians. All these themes that, uh, Ephes- that he's been dealing with so far in Ephesians, uh, he's now drawing them together in this, uh, in this way of starting the prayer. For this reason, um, for this reason sort of refers back to how Jesus, uh, in, sorry, in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles have been given equal standing before God. Uh, right? We talked about in Ephesians chapter 2 how uh, Jews and Gentiles are all saved by grace. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Because of uh, the blood that he has washed us with. Um, in verse 15 he talks about every family in heaven on earth is, uh, is, is derived from the Father. Um, and this is supposed to call to mind the image uh, of the family as the, the whole of 
the uh, Christian family drawn together as one from this from the one Father. Uh, it's probably better translated in context: the whole family uh, from heaven on an earth comes from the Father. Christians in heaven, Christians on earth, Christians all around the earth are one family. Uh, in English, we have uh, the, the saying, blood is thicker than water, um, as if to say that, uh, every, that family is, is what ties us together for life. You can uh, get out of all sorts of different relationships, uh, but you can't escape being related to someone by blood. It's written in your DNA, right? It's, it's ingrained in the way you think. The way you were brought up affects how you think. Uh, it's imprinted on your hearts. It, it shapes the people you, it, it shapes the, the ways and the people that you choose to love. Family is, is a permanent, indelible, unbreakable bond for life. And yet even families get strained. Even families uh, get estranged. But the family of God is the one to which all families aspire. It is the true, unified, single family. All Christians, Paul says, are one family with one father. And this is the unifying theme in Ephesians. All, through, all throughout Ephesians, the, the theme is that Christians are one in Christ. There aren't Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, right? There aren't Christians who grew up in a Christian home and those who were converted later. There, there aren't uh, dead Christians and alive Christians. Um, even Palestinian Christians and Jewish Christians, I, how hard is it for us to comprehend the, the horror of having people kilomet- literally kilometers away as your enemies? And yet Paul says there are Christians in Palestine and Israel who are one in Christ. And so in light of that, Paul prays that the Ephesians would experience the same blessing from the same Father as all Christians on earth or in heaven, wherever they are. And, and see, when we talk about Paul praying this, right, it's not about uh, Paul's hoping that this might happen, right? He's not, he's not worried it won't happen, so he's like, oh, I better just make sure that God, God remembers to do this, right? This is something that he is sure about. He, like I said, he has the insight into the mystery of God. He's revealed these things through what he said in Ephesians. There is no doubt that God is going to bring these things to pass. And we'll talk a bit later on a bit more about why Paul is so confident. Uh, but first I want to look at what Paul is praying about. What is this expectation that Paul has? And so that's our second aspect. Uh, verses 16 to 19, a mind-blowing expectation. <clears throat> So, uh, in verse 19, Paul prays that the Ephesians would be filled with all the fullness of God. He says, 
you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, What an amazing concept, right? Have you ever stopped to think about that? That the infinite God of all the universe dwells inside you and me. Isn't that a phenomenal thing? Uh, we, just, we read a bit earlier from uh, 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, Solomon said, Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Uh, we sang just before uh, Psalm 103, As high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. All the fullness of God, the the height and length and breadth and depth of, of the love of God that Paul talks about here in this passage, exceed the breadth of space. Right? And as best as we can tell, space is infinite, right? It goes on forever. As, the further we look, the more we can see, right? It, we haven't seen any signs of it having an edge as far as we can tell. Our, our measuring stick for space is called the light year. It, light uh, that goes seven times around the earth in a second or, or can, takes uh, eight minutes to get from the sun to here. And we're talking about how far it goes in years. And, and the, the things we start to see uh, when we look really far, we're talking how far light goes in billions of years. This is getting mind-blowingly big. And God is bigger. His love is bigger. And yet, he plans to put all the fullness of himself within us. He has, as we said before, it's, it's, Pentecost, it's the celebration of Pentecost that God would come down in his spirit and put his spirit within us and dwell within us. What a mind-blowing concept. But more importantly than that, we need to remember that as we think about all these great and marvelous and amazing truths about God, all of that is found in Jesus. It's, it's we, as we sang before, turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? We look to him to see all the fullness of God uh, as It says in Colossians chapter 2, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. Romans 5.8 talks about how the love of God is revealed in Jesus. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Uh, Ephesians 1, uh, we've already read a few weeks ago about uh, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe is seen in what? The working of his great might that he worked in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him uh, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Excuse me. Uh, and this is really crucial uh, because people have often looked for, for how they might know God in all sorts of different ways. Um, some people look for God in high mountains. Uh, some people say that you're closest to God in your garden uh, or in your church building. Um, some people say you can find God when you're alone uh, or you find God when you're with other people. Um, some say that silence is where you can learn more about God. Uh, or others uh, say when in the midst of emotionally mu- moving music. Um, and, and in a lot of ways you can experience God in all of these different settings, right? It's n- I'm not saying that's not the case. But if you do experience God in these settings, it has nothing to do with the setting itself and everything to do with beholding Christ, As I talk this morning all about knowing God and and being filled uh, with the infinite God, uh, we we know God in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, And that's why Paul says uh, in uh, in verse 17, he prays for strengthening through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so this truly is a a mind-blowing thing to hope and pray for. It it, it goes beyond all human thought and understanding or any any sort of possibility that the infinite God would dwell within us finite humans. And yet, God will bring it to pass. No Christian will be left behind or left out. Uh, No Christian will miss out in any way on experiencing and knowing all the fullness of the infinite Greatness and love of God. And so, um, thirdly, why is Paul confident of this? If this is so infinite and and beyond our comprehension, uh, why is Paul confident and can we be confident? And that leads us to verses 20 and 21. A glorious expectation. Uh, Verse 20, Paul tells us that he is confident because God has the power to do it. Uh, He is uh, able to do uh, all that we ask or think, right? Uh, We've uh, had lots of prayer requests and and answered prayer today. It's been a wonderful thing to hear. Um, And God is able to do all that we ask or think. But not only that, he's able to do far more than all that we ask or think. And not only that, he's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Like, like these waves, great waves knocking us over. If you've ever stood in the, in the waves at the beach and you just get sort of knocked back by a wave and then another one comes. And it's in, in, in that sort of way, God, Paul says, you know, far more. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a... Amazing thing, right? Far more than we ask or think. Wow. Abundantly. Oh, far more abundantly. Wow. According to the power at work within us. 
Paul, Paul just piles on these amazing truths about what God does. Because he's, he's convinced that God is able to do this. Why? Like I said, back in chapter 1, uh, this power at work within us is the power that God raised Christ from the dead. Above all uh, authority, dominion, power, Paul is confident if God can do that for Christ, that he can do anything for us. And in this case, particularly, God has power far beyond this impossible task of, of making us finite, sinful, human wretches to know the full knowledge of God and be filled in Him. But, more importantly, verse 21, Paul's confidence and his hope is bound up in the glory of God. God's plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in him to the praise of his glory. That's uh, back in chapter 1 again. Uh, Paul, Paul's expectation is that God will glorify himself in us by filling us in him. Uh, it's like, uh, um, have you seen at Christmas time, you have those um, fairy light net things. And, and each dot has like a, is plugged into a, a, a big connection of, of electricity, a big network. In the same way, each Christian uh, filled with the, the, the electrifying uh, knowledge of God, the, the Spirit of God, will be like a beacon uh, as a, a network around the world, filled with the knowledge of God, which will bring glory to God everywhere. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Right? Is there any part of the sea that's not covered by water? And God will fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. How? By filling us with the knowledge of his glory and in the new creation filling the earth with us. And so we can be confident of God's plan to fill the earth with his glory. And because we can be confident of that, because being filled with his knowledge and, his, and, and being uh, worshipping his glory uh, is such a, a central, well, not the central, but is a key part of that plan, we can be confident that we will be filled with the knowledge of him. But like I said, that's not the central part of the plan. Paul says uh, that God will be glorified in Christ Jesus because it's as we, uh, Christ is the central part of that plan because as we behold him, as we behold the cross and the empty tomb and Christ seated in heaven, interceding for us and, and reigning over the earth, that is how we know his glory. Uh, we're going to sing in a moment, To God be the glory, great things He has done, so loved He the world that, what? He gave, he gave us His Son. And so that's how we, we know and we glorify God, is by knowing and enjoying 
and, and beholding Christ. This is what, uh, what it means to have eternal life. Jesus said, uh, eternal life means this, knowing God and Christ whom he sent. And uh, for those of you who, who do feel like you know God, um, praise God. I'm <clears throat> Everything you know about God has been revealed by him through Christ, through his spirit in your inner being. And everything you, have, you know about God has been revealed so that you can glorify him, so that you can uh, enjoy knowing him and, and show others that God is, is, is so awesome and great. So that you can fall humbly before God and, and, and worship him. So that you can tell others uh, about God and, and show them how great it is to know him. And so that is what it means to glorify God. <clears throat> uh, that God would get the glory in the church. That God would get the glory forever and ever. That is our hope, that is our expectation, that is Paul's hope and expectation. And I pray that um, as, as we think on these things, that God would give you the strength to believe that um, and to, to trust him and to look to Christ, to know the Father. Well, let's pray to close. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so uh, in awe of who you are. The great and infinite God with, with such great and infinite love towards us, your creatures. The God who reigns on high, the God who stoops down, takes the cross and, and rises from the dead. The God who comes and dwells within us as your temple. Uh, Lord, we pray that today as we uh, sing this final song and as we go out into our lives during this week, Lord, that we would bring you the glory, that you would be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus uh, throughout all generations and forever and ever. Amen.